0: Over the past number of weeks, we've been talking about a variety of causes of stress. We've talked about fear, about busyness, we've talked about marriage and parenting, we've talked about failure, and last week we talked about debt. Today we're going to talk about getting out of debt, and we'll continue this talk next week as we discuss moving on toward financial security. Because regardless of where you're at right now, no matter how much you owe to who, I believe it's possible to find financial freedom. I believe that you can have peace in this area instead of stress. And so we're going to look at some biblical principles that will help you to get out of debt. And we'll use some common sense too. Okay, well last week we looked at a whack of statistics that painted a pretty bleak picture of the financial condition of our society. People today are spending more than they're making, they're piling on the debt and they're putting next to nothing away into savings. And maybe that describes you. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're stuck nostril deep in debt right now yourself. And so this morning, what I wanted, want to do is give you four principles for moving from debt to financial security. And let me say right up front, I'm not a financial wizard. I've had debt myself. In fact, right now, We're carrying a balance on a line of credit. But we've paid off all of our credit cards. We've finally paid off all our student loans a couple of months ago. We don't have any car payments. And we're on the road toward financial security ourselves. We're not there yet, but the principles we're talking about this morning are helping us to get there. So I'm not speaking from my own expertise, I'm speaking from the lessons I've learned from others and lessons that I'm personally applying in my own life and seeing results, okay? So let's get right at it. To move from debt to financial security, you must do these four things. You need to, first of all, develop a plan to pay off your debt. If you're in debt and you want to get out, then you need a plan. If you're out of debt and you want to stay out of debt, then you still need a plan, Because at least for most of us it's a lot easier to spend money and go into debt than it is to spend wisely and find financial security. You don't get out of debt by accident. The only way you get out of debt is to plan to get out of debt. Romans chapter 13 verse 7 says give everyone what you owe them. So that's talking about paying your debts. You need to identify who you owe And figure out how you're going to pay them. And that's your plan. So what will this plan look like? What will it do? Well, let me try to explain it to you. Your plan will do certain things. First of all, your plan will cut expenses and it will maximize income. Because you need to live on less than you make. If you want to get out of debt, you have to live on less than you make. I mean, I've seen different statistics, but most people are living on someplace between 104% and 112% of their income. Their expenses outweigh their income. And when that's the case, you're just heading for disaster. But you, you need to cut expenses and maximize income, even if it means you have to get a second job for a time. As for me, I do a little bit of of business online. I've designed websites. I've I've sold things on eBay. Um, Maybe you can do something like that. Maybe you have some skills in that area. Or maybe you can work a couple nights a week delivering pizzas for the next six months. Maybe you can have a yard sale and clear some junk out of your home. I know a number of you are already planning on having a yard sale as we're heading into the summer and I think that's a terrific idea. If you're in debt, how can you maximize your income? Your plan will also reduce or eliminate optional expenses. Because if you're in debt, you can't afford to be paying for things like full cable. If you don't want to cut your cable bill completely, then at least consider dropping a package or two. That's what we did. We just dropped a package that with some channels that we don't watch that much and just that little bit of savings made a difference for us. Or maybe you need to brown bag it to work. Even if you aren't in debt, you should be doing that. I mean, you could save probably $300 per month by choosing to take your lunch instead of eating out. Or instead of buying a cafe mocha every time you're at Tim Hortons. Why not save that for a special treat. I mean, what are your optional expenses that you can reduce or completely eliminate? Because the truth is, we tend to buy stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. And if you're in debt, you need to stop making those kinds of purchases. You need to reduce or eliminate those optional expenses. Your plan will also involve sacrifice. And that's true for two reasons. First of all, you'll be able to get out of debt much faster, which means less paid in interest. And secondly, you might learn a lesson if you have to sacrifice to get out of debt. If your debt causes you some pain, you might not be so willing to go into debt again. So where are you going to sacrifice? What are you going to give up in order to get out of debt? Now, I'm not talking about selling your kids, although that might be tempting for you. But how about eating out less? How about cutting back to one car? How about downsizing your home? Maybe you need to decide the fourth time you're just going to live on rice and beans, beans and rice and put as much as you possibly can into paying down your debts. The amount of debts that you have will dictate how big the sacrifice needs to be. So what sacrifices do you need to make? And your plan must also be expressed in a budget. And yeah, I know, for some people that's a dirty word. But you do need a budget. Whether you're in debt or not, you need a budget. So the first thing you should do when preparing your budget is figure out where your money's going already. What are your regular payments? Where do you spend more than you should? To find out where your money's going, keep track of all of your expenses for, say, the next 30 days. Carry around a notepad with you. Write down everything you buy. You buy a coffee, mark it in the book. You pick up a newspaper, mark it down. You go shopping for groceries, record it in your book. Keep track of every expense. And then at the end of 30 days, tally it up. And then evaluate it. Evaluate it. Are you shocked by anything? Are you spending more than you should on those things that at the time seem insignificant, but add up fast. Then after you've done that, just sit down with a pen and paper or maybe in front of your computer. And by the way, if you're married, you should be doing all of this along with your spouse. So sit down with a pen and paper or in front of your computer and start working on your budget. Write down all your anticipated sources of income and all of your expenses. Now you already know what your income is. You know what you make or at least you know an average of what your income is. For expenses, include things like your rent or your mortgage, your insurance, your, your credit payments, or your loan payments, your car payments, your gas, repairs. Uh, and yes, repairs should be on there. They're predictable. Uh, they're a regular expense, not an emergency. Uh, record your charitable giving, your oil, uh, electricity, groceries. How much do you spend there? Uh, how about other household items? How about the phone? Television? Bank fees you might have to pay or entertainment. Uh, entertainment expenses or gifts that you that you purchase. Uh, subscriptions that you have. What do you pay for child care? What do you need for spending money? Mark all of that down and then determine how much you're going to spend where each month and stick to it. If you have debt then you should cut back in some areas so that you can pay off your debt more quickly. And there are are a ton of resources online to help you with this. If I could suggest just a few websites, you might want to check out crown.org. You can find some worksheets there to help you develop a budget. You can also check out daveramsey.com. And by the way, if you go there, there's also a great podcast that you can subscribe to. Uh, moneyproblems.ca is another good place. Um, Check out those websites and use some of the tools that are available for you there. Put them into practice and uh, take advantage of what's there to help you. Now, this isn't in your notes, but there are a few things that your plan should not include, too. We just talked about what your plan should include. Here are some things your plan should not include. Your plan should not include lottery tickets. That's just a stupid tax. The other night, literally as I was working on this very point, the doorbell rang at home. And I went and I answered the the door, and it was a teenager selling tickets for a raffle to raise money for the basketball team. And yes, I know there's a a difference between a lottery and a raffle, except that when you look up raffle in, in the dictionary, the first definition is a lottery, uh, but for me personally, I don't want to give money to anyone just because I might win something. I don't want that to be my motivation. I don't want to gamble like that. So I asked the guy, you know, I, I don't really want to buy a ticket, but can I make a donation? And then I just gave him some money and that was that. I'd much rather make a straightforward donation than buy something because of what might be in it for me. And hey, if you play the lottery... Can I suggest that you just send your donation directly to the government? Because that's essentially what you're doing anyway. Here's something else. Your plan should not depend on a multitude of variables coming together. You know, when you say, if this happens, and this happens, and this happens, then I'll have the money to pay for this. Don't count on something like that, don't depend on a multitude of variables. Your plan should also not rely on a quick fix because quick fixes never work. You didn't get this deep into debt overnight and you're not going to get out of debt overnight either. So forget all the commercials you see on TV. Forget the ads that you get in your mail. Those get-out-of-debt-fast and get-rich-quick schemes just don't work. If you want to be financially secure, you've got to develop a plan, a good plan, to get out of debt, and then you need to stick to it over time. To give you some more tips on how to do this, there's a whole list for you that, are, that you can see in your notes and you can find on our website. Uh, you can take a look at those a little bit later and see if there's anything there that can help you. But let's keep going here. The second thing, if you want to move from debt to financial security, is this. You must know what you're getting into before you buy. This is what Jesus had to say. In Luke chapter 14 he said, But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, There's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. So he's saying, before you make a purchase, before you start work on a project, you need to figure out what the real cost is. In fact, Jesus is saying that you'd be foolish not to do that. Yeah, there's the price tag cost, but then there's the tax. Uh, Depending on what you're buying, you may be, Getting into a a monthly service fee, Uh, there may be parts that need to be replaced from time to time. Uh, You've got to consider how much power it consumes, how long should it last, what kind of warranty does it come with. There are lots of things to consider. Let's say you decide to buy that high definition plasma screen TV. It totals three thousand dollars, and you put it on your credit card. You have a nineteen percent interest rate. You decide to just pay the minimum. 2%, it'll take you 451 months and a total of $7,930.60 to pay it off. Is that really how much you want to pay? Or let's say you're buying a car and you're buying it with cash. You're not putting it on credit, you're paying cash for it. You're going to buy it outright. Well, you should still do some research. Find out what the value of the car really is so that you don't overpay. And investigate, what will it cost to run? How available are replacement parts? How will that car affect your insurance rates? You know, there are lots of things to consider before you buy. And could I recommend that when you do buy, use cash Studies have been done that reveal that when people use plastic, when they put things on credit or use their debit cards, they spend 12 to 18% more than they would have spent if they were paying cash. In fact, McDonald's did a study in a fast food context and they discovered that you spend 37% more using plastic in their stores than you would spend if you were using cash. Because cash provokes an emotion... There's no emotional connection when you lay down a piece of plastic but when you have to look Queen Elizabeth in the face on that $20 bill and tell her how you're going to spend her it's not as easy for you to spend it, is it? When paper money goes through your hands it forces you to realize how much you're spending. So, pay for things using cash so that you know what you're getting into so you realize what the cost is. Number three. To move from debt to financial security, you must always give to God first. Always give to God first. Now, here's the part that can sound kind of self-serving. I mean, I'm the one that's telling you that you need to give to God, and you give to God by giving through the church, and I'm the pastor of this church. And there are a lot of people who think that the church is just after your money. Well, if if you were at our vision day just a couple weeks ago, you already know that we're not about building our own wealth. You know that we're not padding our wallets. You know that we're taking the funds that we receive and we're putting them into ministry here and around the world. And you know that we don't actually talk about money very often here. Yes, there are a few churches and some religious leaders that have taken advantage of people. But with just those few exceptions, giving to God is recognized by believers around the world as simply an expression of worship, obedience, and trust. But still, aren't we talking about getting out of debt and finding financial stability? I mean, how can giving away 10% of your income help to accomplish that? Well, a couple of months ago, I was reading a book that I had checked out of the library. And it wasn't a Christian book. It was just a book about finances written by a Canadian author, mostly dealing with legal ways to, to deal with tax and reduce the amount of tax that you owe. And I was shocked when I came across a whole chapter on tithing. I wasn't expecting that at all. So let me just read for you some of the sections from that chapter. David Vaught in this book said, Tithing is an ancient secret that has been forgotten, ignored, and neglected. The principle of tithing has been written and spoken about by many successful people over the ages. Although it is a biblical principle, people of many diverse beliefs and religions have also used it to their benefit. Tithing is a systematic, regular giving of one-tenth of all your income back to God. Tithers believe that God is the source of all their prosperity, that he can be trusted to supply all their needs, and that his promises are universal. If you've never tithed before, you need to put it to the test. He went on and said, Ask people who tithe faithfully, and they will tell you of the ten, hundred, and thousand times returns they've received by giving. Universally, tithers will also tell you that if you tithe, You'll live better on the 90% than you ever did before on the 100%. The prosperity benefits of tithing are so significant that it would be worth it even if it came without any tax benefits. Wow, that's good stuff, and I was shocked when I read that. You'll live better on the 90% than you ever did before on the 100%. Some of you have made similar comments to me after you started giving to God. Of course, if you know your Bible, then that should come as no surprise. In the Old Testament book of Malachi, God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, he says, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, that's not a guarantee that you're going to become rich financially. Maybe God will bless you in that way. There were godly people in the Bible who were quite well off. David, Barnabas, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea. And there were plenty who were pretty poor. Pretty much all the disciples, the Apostle Paul, even Jesus himself would have been considered poor. So I'm not saying that you will become rich financially. And anyone who promises you that is lying to you and they're preaching a false gospel. Don't be fooled by them. But I am saying that God will bless you. And that blessing can take a variety of forms. Maybe you will get rich. Maybe you'll get better mileage in your car. Maybe your fridge just won't break down as early as it would have otherwise. I don't know how God will bless you, but I believe His promises, and He promises that He will bless you and that He will supply for your needs. You know, it's one of those strange things. When you give to God, suddenly you seem to have more to go around to meet other needs. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. That means that you don't give God what's left over at the end of the week. He doesn't want your leftovers. That doesn't honor Him at all. He's honored when you give to Him first. Give to Him the first fruits. You give to Him right off the top. And when you do that, he will help you in the other areas. And yes, I believe tithing is practical even if you are in debt. In fact, according to those verses there, tithing may be just what you need to do to get out of debt. A few minutes ago, I recommended a website to you, DaveRamsey.com. Dave Ramsey is a financial guru that's often seen on the Today Show. He's been on Oprah and he's, he has a daily call-in talk show on the radio in the States. And I often listen to his podcasts, which are available through iTunes. Uh, I've listed his podcast in your notes as well. Dave is also a follower of Jesus. And last week, one of his callers had a question about tithing. And this particular caller asked if a person should still tithe if they were in debt, or if they should stop tithing in order to put that money toward paying off the debt. And Dave responded by saying that he knew of no place in the Bible where permission was given to not give the full 10% tithe to God. He said you should always give to God what is His. Which is reminiscent of what Jesus said. He said to give to Caesar what is Caesar. In other words, pay your taxes, don't cheat on them. And Jesus said to give to God what is God's. In fact, in Malachi chapter 3, God actually says that if you refuse to tithe, you're robbing from him. And if you do that, you will not experience his blessing. Which ultimately means that you're going to have a much more difficult time trying to dig your way out of debt and move on to financial security if you refuse to give that tithe to God. And number four, if you want to move from debt, to financial security you need to prepare for times of famine we're talking about saving up we're talking about putting something away for the future we're going to pick this up right here next week as we talk about how you do that as we talk about how you save for the future how you prepare for times of famine and if you want to do a little bit of research then read the story of joseph in the old testament you can start reading around genesis chapter 37 read through to the end of the of the book and we'll continue this talk then